All right, guys. Uh, welcome to uh, 100 Books with uh, Kevin Wong. Today, for book number one, I'm excited to kick it off the whole podcast with uh, The Ride of the Lifetime by Bob Egger. Um, he is a uh, the current executive for um, Disney. And um, I had his books on my reading list for a long time. I haven't really pulled the trigger. Um, and after reading it, I really, really loved the book because it's like every single page is like a business case study, right? Like when you go to business school, you have case studies, you know, analyzing different companies' decisions and going over why they're doing what they're doing, what is their snapshot of their industry, right? So this really brings me some insight into Bob's uh, think process or thought process in terms of, okay, if I'm going to do this, what do we need and what does Disney need at the time? And we go from there. So we really can see a clear goal for Disney and we, we, we can clearly see how that manifest, uh, get manifested into Disney right now. So in my opinion, this is my only pure opinion. I think that Disney CEO Bob Iger is the greatest CEO of 21st century or even the 20th century, right? It's the greatest CEO in our lifetime. I truly believe that, right? So first of all, I just want to say that um, it's crazy that he wakes up at 4.15 a.m. in the morning every single day, regardless of a day in or a day out. Um, I think that's interesting. For me, I tried that for a little bit. I think for a while, I, I woke up at 4.30 when I have to like, like go to work early or something. I can pull that off and then his reasoning is that it's like vital for him to create a space each day to let your thoughts wander and then to not for yourself to have to encounter an immediate job res responsibility, right? So I think a little bit of a me time because when you, when, when you like wake up that early, like it doesn't really, like the whole world hasn't really become functioning yet. So it's you and your thing you have to do, your routine and all that fun stuff, right? So. Um, I don't want to dive in too much about Bob Iger's, uh, you know, uh, origin story, like, you know, how he came out within the ABC. I think there are some great, um, stories there and great, you know, telling of his personality, but I want to start with his first kind of like the CEO vision was three things for Disney, right? So high quality content, global theme park. So have like a global brand and also, um, to cut down as what's called a strap planning. So I'm gonna go through each and every, uh, every one of them and maybe we'll get into some uh, acquisitions and whatnot. So first of all, high quality content. Disney was not the king of the content uh, when he first became CEO, like, you know, late 1990s, early 2000s. Um, Pixar was on the rise, right? We have Toy Story, we have Finding Nemo, all that stuff. So Disney was really behind, and his and their movie, their their animations are just not to the quality that they should be at, right? So first priority, easy, right? High quality content. That is an easy thing to do, an easy thing to focus on. Now, secondly, is a global theme park, right? So they need to make sure that the Disney is not only an American brand, but also make sure that it's a global brand, right? And one thing that has really shocked me because uh, the um, Shanghai Disney's, uh, Disney Park uh, back, uh, opened back in 2016, 
they start planning it like since 1998 and I then that just shook me because it takes them like like almost like 20 years to get it done and it's just like crazy and um be able to sell Disney to an- another audience to another uh, you know culture is, is also very interesting and you know, I heard stories from like the Shanghai Disney Park. It's really high quality, like 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 the lake water, like the, like it has to be drinkable or something, something crazy. So um, Disney definitely have their you know uh, sums up. It comes to the you know developing a, a global presence. And last thing I think are really really interesting is um, there is this department at Disney that was uh, instituted by uh, Bob's previous CEO. Um, of the company, uh, Michael, Michael Esner. So Michael Esner was not, uh, you know, um, quote-unquote an analyst type, right? So he had this whole group, like back then it was like 60 people, and he had this whole group full of like, you know, Ivy League school MBAs and analysts trying to get the data on every single business decision for them to make a decision. And Bob Iger thinks that it is overrated, so he trim it down from 60 to like 15 people, right? So um, along those three things, I think the, the part that I want to spend the most time talking about is his acquisitions, right? Relating to high quality content and global theme park. So if you think about it, right? The, like the way that Disney are right now, they own Pixar, they own ESPN, they own ABC, they own Marvel, they own, Fi- uh, they own um you know, part of Hulu, part of Sky, they own the Fox, right? They, they had a deal with uh, Rupert Murdoch. So every single person that, is, that was a leader of the industry, Bob Iger somehow, you know, uh, did the acquisition, right? So let's start with jobs, right? Like, not, like notoriously hard to deal with, right? Not a people person. And just read the books and just to see his see his interaction, see what he was thinking when he called Jobs the first time, right? Like, cause he thought that the job is, Jobs is going to shut his idea down because he will never sell, right? Jobs has like this whole, like, like, a, like, a, like a bunch of like, you know, like, uh, arrogance to them, right? And then uh, with the initial um, offering, uh, Jobs offer uh, Iger like a deal that is so like preferable to Pixar, that no way that Disney is gonna do the deal, right? And then it really takes a couple of things, right? Um, Bob mentioned it in his memoir is that be a straight up, be honest, and just take your shots, right? What's gonna happen if, uh, if they tell me no, right? Like that's just the biggest thing. So they had his relationship with Pixar, and then the biggest thing with Pixar is, you know, John Kastner uh, uh, and uh, Ed, somebody, uh, who was the head of Pixar, one is over storytelling, one is over um, tech, they have to let their let them do their own thing. So if Bob, let's say, doesn't come from a media background, let's say he came from a tech background, he will probably not get it, like not get the idea that okay, they don't want me to change their culture, right? And Bob always say like, you know, I'm buying you for you, not buying you f- to change you. And I think Jobs really feel that that Bob Iger um, kind of say to his world, so him and Iger, Jobs and Iger became friends. And that set a foundation for all of the later acquisitions, right? Another 
example was how Iger bought uh, Marvel. By the time Marvel was run by a uh, Israeli gentleman, of the first name is Ike, the last name I cannot pronounce. Um, he was a you know like character very aloof, very secretive, right? The whole reason that you know the initial conversation works because you know Ike, the CEO of Marvel at that time, saw what Bob did to Pixar, which is good, right? They have them had other control, and then. You know, uh, the uh, head of Pixar, John Cassidy, or John Cassidy, uh, start running the Disney Animation a Studio. That's how they're able to say yes, right? So in terms of acquisition, I think um, they give me a really good insight into how they're done, at, uh, like at least in the business world, right? And I think Iger's experiences with news, with sports, with cross international. Um, you know, uh, business by uh, running the broadcasting for uh, you know uh, North Korean ping pong tournament or Winter uh, uh, Olympics. It really set him to get it done with all these different things, right? And la like the last acquisition is you know he bought Fox, which is uh, you know Rupert uh, Murdoch's empire, right? So, so. Every single thing that builds on this, I think it really build on is trust, right? And he said it like, in the beginning, you're always trying to get a mentor and you're trying to absorb everything from that mentor, right? And then when you are, are acting director or an acting executive, you should trust your own instinct. And over time, over experience, there is a thing called leadership kind of starting to get embarked by you. And I think that is the, you know, the biggest image that I've got from the biggest takeaway I've got from this book is reputation matters, right? Be candor, be honest with them, and really self-aware because that's kind of how Bob ended the book. He said that hold on to the awareness of yourself, even as the world is telling you how powerful you are, right? Because if you let that ego, if you let that feed into your ego, then you are going to really really fell short of who you really are and again this whole book just trust right like you know a reputation like somebody even like jobs can become friends with like Iger right that just shows me how how honest he is and how trustworthy he is and he can kind of like melt Steve Jobs you know, like when when Steve Jobs got his uh, last return of his cancer Right, it was right before that they announced a partnership, and then Jobs told him he was the first person besides Jobs' wife to know that okay, the cancer had come back, right? So this is a great book. Um, I recommend you guys uh, get it and you know just read it because it's literally a case by case a study on how he, the business, the probably the best CEO of all time come through decisions you know how 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 does he calculate each decision how does he execute and he's really like are hiding his leadership skills or leadership tips within the words which i like because that was that's what keep the book engaging for me all right guys hopefully you guys like it and um please give us five stars on whatever you listen and then we'll go from there